we're in the middle of a series, actually we're closing the series out today, called The Compelling King. The Compelling King. What's so great about Jesus Christ? And we've walked from Genesis to Revelation just saying, Lord, you're awesome. Show us the story of who you are. So just a little bit of a review. Genesis 1, the creating king. The phrase we used that day was, God said it, it was, and it was very good. And then Genesis 3, where man actually, in his sin and his selfishness, begins to tear away some of God's plan. Creation beginning to go another direction than what God had originally wanted. The creating king. Number two, then, we saw the preparing king. We were in Exodus chapter 12. And the phrase we used was the lamb, the covering, and the promise. Jesus Christ making clear what it would look like for him to be our replacement sacrifice. As he shows the model of it in the Passover with Israel. The preparing king speaking forth throughout the Old Testament of how he will work with mankind. The lamb, the covering, and the promise. Then the serving king, Matthew 20. He came not to be served but to serve our serving king making very clear where he would have us to go and what he would have us to do through his model of self-sacrifice which led us to the next week the sacrificial king isaiah 53 was a great promise of uh, a forward-looking messiah to come it was 700 and some years before the time of christ and yet fully answered in the gospels as we see him as our sacrificial king our phrase that week was his pain For our peace. Humble and silent. Humble and silent. Think about it. This is the God of the universe. He doesn't have to come in humble. He can come in with all authority and all power and all might. He can bring it with all he has. And instead he says, let me show you first what humility looks like. And servanthood looks like. And then he sacrificed his very self for us. Then we end up in the, really the church age, the entire time that we get to experience Christ, this interceding king. We were in Ephesians and Romans and Revelation 4 and 5 and this interceding king, the phrase we used that week was seated in the heavens. Our advocate currently and presently being worshipped powerfully. It was a great day of worship as we closed out celebrating him ourselves With the Revelation 4 and 5 song that we were singing. Our interceding king is an amazing, compelling king. Who works with us daily and regularly. And man, is he going to be worshipped for all eternity. Amen? We're going to be a part of that. And then we talked about the coming king, Revelation 19. The phrase we used that week, he is coming with unmatchable power. Oh yeah, and he's coming... On a white horse, which means, it means victory. Guaranteed victory. That's who our king is. And he is returning. Our king is coming. And he's coming in order to right that which is wrong. Our king is coming to reign. Which brings us to Revelation chapter 20. The reigning king. We talked about his kingdom. Earmarked with justice and peace and righteousness. Justice and peace and righteousness. Justice in that Satan will be bound. Peace for a thousand years. 
as Jesus Christ rules and we with him. And righteousness in that all those who say, no, I'll handle it myself, unbelievers, will be standing at the great white throne at the end of that thousand years. He will reign with justice and peace and righteousness. He will come with all authority. He will put everything in its place. And then finally, the restoring king, Revelation 21. He creates the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Wow. As we look at all that he's doing and all that he's accomplishing, all that he is taking part in with our lives from the beginning of time where he spoke it into existence till the very end of time where he speaks out of existence that which is a mess and ushers in the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that we might spend eternity with him. That's our compelling king. So question, how should we respond to him? That's what we're looking at today in Revelation 22. So turn with me, if you will, to Revelation 22, verse 6, and the ushers are coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. Just raise your hand or get their attention. If you need a Bible, they'll get one to you. Revelation 22, verse 6, as we're answering, what should I be responding like to this amazing, compelling king? First step, worship the king. Verse 6 is where we start out. Worship the king. He says, this is an angel that's been speaking throughout the last part of chapter 21 and into 22. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The angel had some things to say. Let me clarify for you what you need to understand. He says, these words, which words? Well, the ones that come right after it there. These words are trustworthy and true, meaning you can count on it. You can absolutely depend on this. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. This is what's coming up. Heads up, you need to be aware. Well, what are the words? It says, and behold, check it out. Watch this. I am coming soon. Jesus Christ's statement. I am coming. That's his statement. Our king is coming again. And we've talked about what it's going to look like. And we've talked about what he's going to usher in. He is going to usher in perfection. He is coming. He's coming. Say it with me. He is coming. Say it with a little more enthusiasm. You ready? He is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. That's the promise that Revelation 22 is closing out with. We need to grasp that he is absolutely our king. And he's absolutely coming again. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. In other words, read it and heed it. Follow what you see here. Understand the greatness of him. Understand his authority. Grasp where he's headed. And worship him with all you've got. John's response to this amazing, thundering challenge from the angel as Christ's words are quoted about the promise that he is coming soon. Here's John's response. I, John, 
am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I was a loser. That's what he's trying to say. When I heard and saw him, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed him to me. I'm telling you, the message was so powerful, I just started worshiping the messenger. I'm like, it's good enough. And I dropped right there. And I started to say, you, messenger, you can take some worship from me because this is unbelievable. And the angel's response is the classic. He said to me, don't do that. He's protecting the very glory of God. Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. Do you hear it? The challenge that we need to take on each and every day is that when somebody begins to give just a little bit too much attention to us or to that which we're about, then we go, don't do that. Worship him. Show him off with all you've got. If you want to fall on your knees, hey, I'm good with it. Just make sure you're looking that way. Worship the Almighty. He deserves it. He's amazing. It's going to be a totally fulfilling experience in your life. And what you're doing right now, pretty much a waste of your time. You need to get up off your feet, off your knees. I'm just a created being like you. In fact, he gives a list of three people he's hanging with. He says, I'm with the brothers, your prophets. You know, the people from before who were talking about God and who knew God. And then I'm with those who will keep the words of this book. I'm basically with all the believers. And there's me running after them. And the three of us together, and we're going after them. And, but please, don't worship me. Worship God Almighty. All right, so a little bit of throwback. What's it look like to worship him? Let me just pull this out. Top four ways to worship God. Top four ways to worship God. See if you remember this. Number one, be thankful. Recognize what he has done and what he's doing. One of the best ways to worship him is just to recognize that his hand is at work and be thankful. Sometimes you have to look backwards and see some of what's going on, some of what's been accomplished. Sometimes you can see his hand right in the present, but be thankful. Number two, be willing. Give yourself to him. Like, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to take me, whatever you want done, whatever I need to sacrifice, what do you want? I'm willing. A big piece of worship is willing. Unfortunately, a lot of people teach worship where it's somehow something you put on your lips, but there's a complete unwillingness. Eh, wrong answer. Okay, worship. You've got me, Lord. What do you want done? I'm with you. I'll go with you. Where do you want it done? Be thankful. Be willing. Number three, be clean. Lord, help me breathe. Spiritually breathe. Help me just get rid of the junk. Confessing. Please forgive me for that attitude. Please forgive me for the words I just spoke to my family member or to my friend or to my coworker. Please, Lord, forgive me. I was wrong. It's certainly not representing who you are. And it's certainly not grasping who you are. It was trying to lift me up. Please forgive me, right? It's confession. It's like ex exhaling out, just, right? But at some point, you need to start inhaling. Like I'll tell you, a lot, of, a lot of people get the exhaling part right. But then they run around and all they're doing is exhaling. And there's a point where you run out of breath. And you collapse. 
You know what I'm talking about? Try it. Try blowing out for a little while. Ready? Here we go. And we're done. And you drop unless you inhale. Well, what are we supposed to inhale? The awesome promises of who he is. The amazingness of knowing him. Lord, you are awesome. I see you in your scripture. I see you as the great I am. I see you as the creator. I see you as the preparer. I'm amazed with who you are. And and the more we get to know him, we're like, and that part of my life isn't so much matching up. Lord, please forgive me. And hear me, this isn't like a breath a day or a breath a week or a breath a month. It's breathe. Breathe regularly and often throughout your day i mean how many times do we sit down and we're like pouring through the word and we get sort of this sense of what god would have for us that day and we pray with him and then we move on and like 10 minutes later somebody does something and we say like oh no you didn't talk to me that way you know what i mean and then we're like going off on him like how dare you do that and do you know what you just did to me and and all of a sudden it's all about me again lord please forgive me you're awesome Help me keep that more in line and understood as I walk through this day. You want to worship him? Make it a regular event. Make it a moment-by-moment event, not a a once-a-day or a a once-a-week event. So be thankful, be willing, be clean. And the last one, be directed. Spend some power time in his word. Really get direction from him. This is the same list we went through about four or five weeks ago. It was just, Lord, help me grasp what you have for me. And when I'm going into your word, I'm not going here so I can just check a box and say, well, that's nice. I read the Bible today. We're talking like, Lord, I want your spirit to share with me what needs to be done. Show me what I need to know. And then it's going to be different. May your word literally rock my world. Direct me as I lean upon you. That's some worship. I'm telling you, if you're going through your day that way, you're going to find yourself feeling a deep sense of satisfaction and fun with him as you grasp where he's heading you and he's taking you. And then there's times where something comes up and it's not going that well. And instead of responding like, oh, I can't believe, and you go off, your response becomes, okay, God, what are you trying to do? Where do you want me to go? Do you hear how it becomes communication? Like, I'm so with you on this. I can sense what you're doing. You're trying to shape me here. And that's what we're talking about. Worship him. Four steps. How do I know I'm doing that? Top three results of worship. Number one, you will have this response. Wow. God is awesome. I've never seen him in that light. I never knew him to be like this. And wow. God is amazing. Do you know what I learned about him today? Do you know what I saw of him? That's what we're talking about. Number one result is you're blown away with him. Number two. Just a deep, relaxing breath. You have this deep river of satisfaction running through you. People are chewing me out. It's just not going well. And I'm being misunderstood. And... God, you're doing something and and I'm with you on it. And help me to apologize where I need to apologize and help me to grasp what I need to grasp. Let's do this thing together. Number three, uh, 
That ain't nothing. I'm talking about problems that come up and you can literally just brush them off your shoulder and say, whatever. When you're in that moment, you know you're having some good worship. And when the stuff comes up and it bothers you, gut check. How long has it been since I've spent some time with them? What do I need to be confessing? Where am I protecting me too much? And it can really slip away quickly. So keep your eyes on it. Keep checking it. Worship the king. I'm telling you, we have had some awesome examples of worship in this series. It's been a great nine weeks here as we've walked through. And and one of the things we've learned as we've gone, I've been talking to people. I've heard this at least half a dozen times, okay? Tim, it's the first time that I was ever able to raise my hands and worship. Didn't get up very far, but I'm telling you, it's real and it's going on. People are literally saying, I'm meeting God and I'm trying and I'm doing some things and, and, and I may have gotten it up to this level and I may have gotten it up to this level and I, maybe I got my hand all the way up. I had a guy stop me last week and say, I want you to know the song gutted me at the end. First time my arm's ever been up and if I don't care who's watching me, may God be worshiped. That's what we're talking about. Like, just let go and let God literally be your sense of worship. That's what we're talking about. May God truly be worshipped. So how's your worship doing? How's my worship doing? How are we doing on a regular basis of lifting him up so that we can find him so satisfying and so fulfilling that we would never want anything other than that? That's where we need to be. Worship the king. Number two, be holy for the king. Be holy for the king. The angel's still talking here and he, he says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Let these words be heard. Know that God has a plan and that the king will reign. Absolutely, he will be writing everything that we see wrong. Don't seal them up. Let them be known. He says, kind of a strange phrase here in verse 11. You ready? Let the evildoer still do evil. Wait, I thought we were going for holiness. And the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still be right. And the holy still be holy. What in the world are you talking about? Why are you asking that wrong go on and right go on? What are you going after? Well, check out Christ's statement in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. What is he doing? He is coming soon. The king is coming. And in the midst of the king coming, he's got an answer. Bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I, the king, have an answer for every situation. So the angel's statement was, y'all just keep on doing what you're doing. I'm telling you, the king knows how to handle it all. It doesn't matter where you're at. The king is coming and he's going to put everything as it should be. May we not be standing before him saying, Lord, I'm standing here of my own volition on my own works. Lord, please don't repay me based on me. Lord, I'm leaning upon you and your shed blood. Please use that as the recompense. What an awesome privilege you and I have 
that we can literally stand before the king who is coming, the king who will hold accountable, and he is willing to let his shed blood, his death and resurrection be our replacement payment. And he is literally willing to say, I forgive you. Run with me in this thing called eternal life. What a privilege. What a king. For those who say no thanks, it's quite another experience. He says at the end of it, why should you even trust me? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Everything starts and ends with me. I am all that. Trust me, you need to be leaning on me. I got it together. I am your king. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those who wash. This is not a laundry statement. Okay, this is not, make sure your laundry's done each week. Jesus told me to in Revelation 22. That would be a bad application of this passage, okay? What he's talking about is your very soul laid before him. He is talking about, Lord, use your shed blood to wash me clean. May I literally be clothed with your righteousness. May what I put on reflect you. Lord, may I really be washed with you. And those who are, are blessed. It says that we might have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. We literally have an opportunity and a privilege for eternal life with him. That we might have a right to the tree of life and that we may enter the city. Eternal life is guaranteed as Jesus Christ is the one who cleanses us from all sin. For those who want to stand on their own, for those who say, no thanks, I'm not going to wash the robes that I've got. I've, I've got this thing covered. I'm going to just give it the best shot I've got. I want to be known by my actions. Well, here's verse 15 in the summary. He says, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Those who want to be known by their human actions and their shortcomings and try to have that be good enough. The place is considered outside. Not in the heaven and the earth. That's new and perfect and with the king. Not celebrating life with him. But really celebrating a pain that comes from separating from him. It's a horrific statement that we never ever want to be in. Lord, may we trust you with all we've got. May you be at the center of who we are. Please forgive me and use your shed blood to do it. I'm done with my own work. I don't want to be outside. Jesus' statement in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. You need to know who I am. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. I am the root and the descendant of David. He's basically saying, I am the answer to the promise of the king who will sit on the the throne of David for all eternity. It's me. I am the one who will be sitting there. Lean upon me. Oh, and more than that, more than just being the fulfillment of the promise, I am the bright and morning star. Have you ever gone out early in the morning when the sun is just starting to rise and you can only see one star left in the sky? Have you ever seen that? That's what he's talking about. The bright and morning star. The star that's so bright that it can shine in the midst of all that's going on around it. He's saying, I'm the one 
who has that brightness. I'm the one who is the brightest of the stars. You look to me. I've got it together. I am your king. And I have a plan. And it lasts for all eternity and it includes all of everything. And I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing time of celebration. Be holy. For I am holy. Is really what he's saying. Follow after me. May your works and your actions reflect me. Live for him. Might be a great statement. I looked up the word holiness and holy and I found this definition. True holiness is thinking as God thinks and wanting what God wants for his glory. That's a pretty important phrase at the end. Thinking as God thinks, like, well, that wouldn't be good to do, or, or that thought isn't cool, or that needs to change, and maybe the finger's pointing at me, and this is what needs to change, and I'm thinking as God thinks, and I'm wanting as God wants, and I want it to change. Lord, let's change this thing for your glory. I mean, how often have we gone after change for my glory? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I can get my act together enough, people are like, wow, that guy's got it together. That girl, she's just, have you seen how unbelievable she is with people? And, right? And we get to walk around and kind of hold our head a little bit high. And, oops, we lost the holiness factor in there because it's about our glory, not about his glory. Our goal needs to be for his glory at all times and all measures. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen somebody steeped in legalism, like a lot of effort, they're going after the right, and yet somehow they're deeply dissatisfied? Like there even seems to be an appearance of holiness on the front. There's a lot going on that's in the right, but there's complete dissatisfaction. Why? Because it's about their glory, because it's motivated for all the wrong reasons, because it's human effort muscling it, because it's not him celebrated real holiness is him celebrated let me ask you another question have you ever seen anybody rocked by god almighty absolutely on fire with who they've met in scripture completely elated with what they're seeing god doing in their life and they're like and i'm dissatisfied like it doesn't happen when you really start getting yourself centered up with him when you see him working in your life you're amazed with the touch that he has in your life May we celebrate him to God be the glory. So here's my question. Are you seeking the holy life? Or are you seeking the, well, it's good enough life? May we really be seeking him to be glorified in our lives. May we think like him. May we want what God wants. May our robes be washed for him to God be the glory. So first, we need to be worshiping the king. Second, we need to be holy for the king. And third, we need to long for his coming. Long for his coming. The spirit and the bride say, come. This is now an invitation. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. So we're going to tell people and those people tell people. And this is one big celebration. And let's get people to the party. May there be worshipers for Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to be about as the church. 
May our church be growing in depth as we learn about him. And may we be growing in breadth as we're simply saying, come, let's celebrate the king. Let me introduce you to him. Let's build worshipers for him. He says, and he and the one who is thirsty, let him come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I'm telling you, you won't have need again. Your thirst will be for my glory. Come grab a hold of it. And then he says, I warn everyone. So first the invitation, now the warning. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, well, I'm going to use a metaphor here. If anyone adds to them, God will add to you the plagues described in this book. Like if you've got the gall to take the God of this book and throw him out and start changing it, you're not a believer. And the stuff that's in this book and described, that's what's happening for those who aren't trusting in him. It says, and if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, well, I'll stick with the metaphor. God will take away from you his share in the tree of life. If we're not trusting in him, well, we're not saved. If our heart's not put in his hands and saying, Lord, please use your shed blood and forgive me. I want your word to come out as is. I'm not changing it so that I get what I want. That would be an earmark that I'm not your follower. This isn't teaching that we lose salvation. This is saying, let me show you an earmark of one who's not trusting in him. I'm not there with you, God. I'm going to add to it and I'm going to subtract from it. And I'm going to make it what I want because that will work better for me. He's saying, look, look out. Remember the king we just talked about. It's a big deal. These are the things described in the book. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Surely I am coming soon. The word surely, it means absolutely true. Totally can count on it. 100%. I am coming soon. He is coming. Say it with me. He is coming. Our king is coming and he's going to put everything right. We have a chance to worship him and to celebrate him, to drink deep of a life with him for all of eternity. Why? Because he is coming. What would the appropriate response to that be? Well, we've got two answers. The first is this. Amen. And the second is this. Come, Lord Jesus. We're ready. Bring it. We're ready to be with you. Amen. So be it. Come, Lord Jesus. You're our king. I'm ready to worship you here and I'm ready to worship you for all of eternity. You've got me. Let's just say the two phrases together. Ready? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Our king, he's compelling. Our king, he's worth knowing. Our king. May we celebrate him. That is our call.